Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. Uh, welcome to Stories Are Soul Food. If it sounds like I'm sulking the entire time, all you listeners, it's because I don't have headphones. <laughs> and headphones makes, well, it just makes us feel like it's not a real podcast. Yeah, we're not professional. Also, the fact that we're lined up so we can't see each other. This whole thing was terribly set up, Caleb, or whoever did it. You know? Okay, fine. Fine. We're okay. I'm going to stop sulking now. <laughs> well, until I start again. That's all right. We're getting started. Uh, I think sulking is a good mood for this question. Sulking. Well, we'll find out, actually. I have a sulking voice today, too. Is that, yeah. Sultry or sulky? I can't figure sulking. out. Sulking. <laughs> like hulking, but but with an S. <laughs> Speaking of Marvel and mm. Dr. Banner, the question is actually come in from people. Okay. The people want to know what whether you saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, I like to think of it more like Spider-Man saw me. <laughs> <laughs> Enlighten us. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it's the multiverse, and so nothing needs to make sense. Oh, okay, yeah. And so the movie watched me. I didn't watch it. Um uh, it was a terrible film. It was gosh awful. It was insulting to my intelligence and to, well, the red, white, and blue to America, <laughs> the book of judges, <laughs> to Stan Lee. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, I, I hated it. Okay. I hated it, but I didn't hate it as much as any of my five children hated it. Okay. Uh, wow. All of, all of whom hated it with a much purer uh, hatred than I did. I'm just trying to find out how much money it's made. This hated a lot, uh, and that's that adds to my hatred because it means that they won't learn any lessons because there is only one lesson ultimately. So, a budget of 200 million, you double that for advertising. Is that right? Yeah, rule of thumb. 400 million, and it's box office 1.536 billion dollars so yep. far. So they've all bought new Cadillacs. Oh my goodness! Electric ones. Okay. Man, Ooh. man, that was a dumb movie. Just yeah. a dumb movie. Uh, and let's let's get into this a little bit. Because yeah, because you're not a Spider-Man hater. I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the best superhero, in my opinion. And I, I, I will so say too. this, that my daughter, my, my 12-year-old, she was at the time almost a 12-year-old, was asking if she could see it. And I, she had not seen the first two of the Tom Holland trilogy. And so I said, well, over Christmas break, while her brother was home from college, Let's watch the first two at home, and then we'll all go see the third one in the theater. So we did the Tom Holland trilogy. Now, the first two have massive weaknesses in that they are totally dependent on the Avengers in stupid ways. But the, the second one, they have their own arcs, and the second one is, is pretty fun. It's a pretty fun film, and it got two thumbs up straight across the board from, from my five children. So then we all trawl, you know, Tromped off to the theater to do our part and contribute to that massive box office for Sony. And we were just in, insulted the whole time. Yeah. So if we're going to break it down. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's break this down. What? Yeah. Is it? Because I have heard so many. I'm, I'm going to actually, I, we don't have time. We actually are on the clock today where we have a total of 40 minutes from the moment I walked in here to get out of here because the next recording is going on. But. If we're going to focus in on big, important things that Christians get wrong, that like sugar plum fairy nonsense morality mm -hmm. around curing supervillains. Yeah. 
Okay, that's what I've also heard. It's like, uh, what is wrong with you? What do, What do you mean by that? You mean that the fact that you can cure someone with medicine and make them into a good guy? Or the science. fact that Spider Man is called, he must, he must rise above and cure. He must cure the villains. He must using his high school acumen that would have gotten him into MIT. He has the ability to reverse the effects of a superconductor and Ooh. all sorts of really nonsensical things, but he's going to take supervillains and he's going to fix them. He's going to come up with little prescriptions that are going to fix their supervillainy and make them okay. And this is one of the things that drives me insane from Lego movies to everything else. I am sick and tired of the misunderstood villain. I am sick and tired. That's a bad trope. It's such a bad trope. And it's not that even people are doing it intentionally anymore. It's just that they can't help themselves. Yeah. It's like evil is, is well, this some is kind take of three on infection. Doc Ock, right? This is take three on Doc Ock. Gosh. So they're trying desperately to, to find a way to actually four, I guess. No, sorry. Yeah, that's right. So you have a lizard man, right? In this group. Oh, by the way, just got, sorry. Let me pause you. Spoilers. Just got the news. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. And I got the news that the thing after is canceled. So oh, you hey. can feel free to never mind to rampage. I as can you now. <laughs> I can now really, really lay about myself. And so now there's really no reason for me to not have headphones. This is a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caleb. Callback. Call back. Um, if you are a hero and you are faced with a rampaging murderer. What should you do? What should one do in said situation? Should one restrain rampaging murderer and attempt to diagnose rampaging murderer and come up with a cure that will make him wonderful? Or should you put him down like a dog? Yeah. That's the question that little evangelicals struggle with for some reason, because above all the Ten Commandments, they hang the giant be nice. And they love their heroes to be nice. Yeah. They don't want their heroes to act in anger. But here's the thing. Sometimes you should act in anger. You yeah. should. Yeah. What would God do? Does God ever act in anger? And so what we repeatedly do here in this podcast is say, look at the Bible. You're a Christian. Look at scripture. What's your standard? So- in Spider-Man situation, where Spider-Man is faced with supervillains who are rampaging, smashing things, killing people, in Spider-Man's shoes, what would King David do? Well, okay. We got in Spider-Man's shoes, what would Samson, the first superhero, do? Samson might even burn down a bunch of random people's property <laughs> surrounding just... the bad guys. <laughs> yes, he would salt the earth. Uh, what would a real hero do? Would a real hero chicken out when it comes time to actually spill the blood of a villain of a murderer yeah so would spider-man if given a time machine go back in time and try to cure hitler or would he just kill him like are what are we trying to do here we're we going to give him a pill you know if only we had given him a pill oh it also the science is nonsense the logic of the world is complete nonsense the morality is nonsense the arc of the character is nonsense. Okay, the emotional well, listen, journey when you, is nonsense. When you run that game and- I don't know of anything in the entire film that actually made sense. I don't know of anything. Mm. So if you ask, hey, why is this person here? Why is this villain back? Why did Spider-Man make this decision? Yeah, why I don't it, have an answer. Why like, did it- Why, why did it Why does Spider-Man make the wrong choice every single time 
not just through act one, also through the entirety of act two. And also, wait, wait for it, through the entirety of Act 3. Did Spider-Man's abilities allow him to defeat the villains? I mean, is that like, even on that basic storytelling level? Is... No. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's the fact that there's three of them because there's a multiverse and they're good at science. And so they came up with the correct prescriptions. Mm. And they're all, they are all equally little Sunday school neutered boys who are unwilling to kill villains. So they all work together to come up with the, the appropriate treatments, even while he's like trying to stop that. Uh, he's actually right. He's ready to kill the Green Goblin. Finally, he's mad enough to kill the Green Goblin. And luckily, spoiler, Tobey Maguire jumps in. The old Spider-Man jumps in. Our from, favorite Spider-Man. Yeah, jumps in to stop him, to grab, to grab the little weapon he's going to use to kill him. I can't remember what it is he's going to smash him with, but he's going to smash him and while Tobey Maguire is saving the Green Goblin's life, the Green Goblin stabs him in the back, yeah. thus proving that Tom Holland was right. <laughs> Should have killed him. <laughs> Should have killed that Joker. Because we're supposed to pray God would destroy our enemies, right? Yeah, right. Break all their teeth. Kill their babies. Sometimes he, sometimes he kills them, your dad's yeah. fond of saying, by turning yeah. them into friends. But sometimes he just destroys them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm betting the screenwriters haven't been praying that God would destroy their enemies. As they're as they're working on this, I think in the real in the real world they have. <laughs> so you're probably right. they probably want all their enemies actually destroyed in the real world, but uh, just not there in their little fantasy land. It just you it also just, run the, the whole thing made me so frustratedly, stupidly angry, and and having to stand there and watch children point out massive gaping holes in plot solutions, where they're mm. saying literally Doctor Strange was right the entire time. He just, just listen, you dumb little teenager. Just do what Dr. Strange says, you dummy. Mm. Why did you have to be wrong the entire time? And then all the way to the end, when all these people are invading from the multiverses, and man, how sick are we of the multiverses? But all these people are invading from the multiverse. Hold on. They're all coming. Pause there. Did you like Spider Man into the multiverse? No. Okay. It was really fun to look at. There you go. Okay. Because I was going to say. And there's really fun set pieces, really fun character work. In the, so there were really fun five to 15 minute sections. Yeah. Yep. But no, there's not an overall coherence to it. Yeah. Again. And, and really fun execution too. Right. So the, the look of it, the style of it. Right. A lot of the character choices and then, and then sequencing is really fun. Yeah. Scenes and, and uh, arcs that are kind of like long enough to be like half act. You know, and even yeah. I could even say full act. You so, know. yeah, chunks of the Into the Spider-Verse yeah. are fun. Are fun. But this is not. No chunk of this is fun. Yeah. There's just nothing that's fun about this. And you want to talk, maybe the big greatest crime of all is the complete waste of Jamie Foxx, who is so much fun and such a great actor. But I didn't even know he was in there. And in, okay. in Spider-Man? There you go. I haven't seen this one. You have Oh, gosh. I probably have Don't to. Don't see it. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I got the review from um, you before. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so it's, you basically, you have a setup where Spider-Man screws up and he screws up by talking. If you, if you have the rules that just vanish where you have a, you have a wizard who is basically omnipotent and he can change everything and he's going to help Spider-Man's friends get into college, but that accidentally, he accidentally sucks, you know, all these, all these villains into from the multiverse into this world who happen to know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. 
And then all these people are trying to get in from all the different corners of the multiverse. Everybody who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. They're coming mm-hmm. in from every corner of the multiverse. That includes the other Spider-Men. So they're all coming in. And at the very end, everybody's still crowding in. And there's this really sad moment where MJ, sad as in scare quotes, because it's not sad. It's just moronic and infantilizing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the MJ character is... She really, boy, she loves our Spider-Man. And their dynamic's fun and the actors are fun and they should be able to play out. They did great in the second movie. And in this third film, it just sucks because Peter Parker suddenly has the great idea of like, wait, what if you cast a spell, Doctor Strange, that makes everyone in the world forget who Peter Parker is? A spell? A science a spell. spell. A science spell. No, magic. Oh, Doctor Strange, so it's magic. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But yeah, no, he's there's constant little insults about science and math and stuff like that. But magic is seen as what I hate most about all of sci-fi people's perspective of magic is that magic is seen as just, you know, the thing that can just do anything, whatever. Right. And so Dr. Strange says, but if I make everybody forget Peter Parker, then that's going to be include MJ, this girl who now really likes you and you finally have a relationship and you're going to be totally forgotten, Peter, by everybody. Not just all these people trying to come in from other you know, corners of the multiverse. So the whole point is all these people are coming from the multiverse into our corner of the universe. And we have to make them forget Peter Parker exists. So they'll go home. And he says, Tom Holland says, go for it. Spider-Man says, go for it. So Doctor Strange casts a spell. And the hero is going to embrace the girl forgetting who he is. You know, he's going to do this. Well, the thing that's extra stupid about this is we've already established, as my kids pointed out, that Tobey Maguire finally got through and he has settled down with his MJ in another in another right. parallel reality and is finding happiness. And Tom Holland talks Doctor Strange into just erasing that for Tobey Maguire. <laughs> no. So Tobey Maguire is going home and MJ those- in his world is going to be like, who are you? <laughs> and every I was like, man, do we make a Will Ferrell movie about some... Somebody in Duluth named Peter Parker, who just is forgotten by everyone because of Dr. Strange's spell at the end of Spider-Man 3. Um, All Peter Parkers without any differentiation are forgotten in every quarter of the multiverse. (laughs) Yeah, weird. Uh, It's not that uncommon of a name. Uh, It's Yeah, it's really bizarre. But then also, Peter is staying there, Spider-Man staying there with his girlfriend, MJ, as the spell's coming down. And he's warning her she's going to forget him. And they're having this little moment of, you know, Straight out of Last of the Mohicans, I will find you. (laughs) (laughs) And I will find you. Find me. And Uh, tears, uh, tears, yeah, tears, yada, yada, crabbity, crabbity, crab. And they're having this moment. And so you think if you're in that position where it's like, okay, Super Wizard from the Marvel Universe is about to make my beloved forget that I exist, should I A, stay really close to her? right now yes. and try to be and try to be present <laughs> try to remind for her. this moment or should i be run hide no for the moment of the spell and then maybe show up at around christmas time in a few weeks what like I'm is guessing, that, is that, the correct, is that the correct <laughs> approach <laughs> so and, we find and out by the way to reference an actual good movie uh, right now, and this is again filters, but an actual good movie. Being the Ricardos, it's a fantastically crafted film, and Nicole Kidman does an amazing Lucille Ball. 
But one of my favorite things about it is is her representation of Lucille Ball's creative drive to be excellent in the in the show. I love Lucy. People think stuff like that happened just by accident. It did not. Mm. And like the way she presses on the logic of comedy and the logic of behavior and like, but wait, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Why would a character do this? But why, you know, and, and one of the things she says in one, in a writer's room to a bunch of writers saying, I understand that we need her to not hear the door open for the, for your gag. Like, I understand that you need her to not hear, but why does she actually not hear? Like, wow. Yeah. And it's like, and that kind of laziness on the part of writers was just just spilling off of every so you're saying this Spider-Man. movie basically is just one long MacGuffin sort of yes where it's just where it's like i need spider-man to be a complete idiot the entire time why it's okay like he well so that i hit my points your plot points so, I so can... i'm hit so i'm hitting my marks as a writer gotcha. not not so that anything actually happens of necessity or that anything works its way out so um, that ruins the rewatchability of a movie like this because yeah, unless you're looking for emotional manipulation, and so you're if you're looking for if you're looking for em- like emotional tone okay. as a viewer, if you if you are that disassociated from logic or objectivity or coherence, and you're just looking for uh, a a tone like a noise, yeah, then you could rewatch this. Okay, so that's a question. I remember you. We talked about this a while ago. Maybe I don't think on the pod, but Bathos. What yeah. Iron Man unlocked the ability to make to to drastically switch tone in the middle of a serious emotional yeah. thing and switch it to lightheartedness yep. or comedy, almost making fun of itself. Yep. Is have we gone all the way so we no longer have any pure feeling or any pure emotion? It's just one long sort of gag. Is that what's going on? Is it is it the bathos thing that Marvel's unlocked, or is there something else with these? No, it's. Or is it pure laziness? No one wanted to make this work because that's hard. Here's the thing. So two two things. One is I realize I'm making fun of something that's wildly successful. And so it speaks to the laziness of the, of the writers, but it also speaks to the laziness of the viewers. You know, it really does speak to the, the nature of the movie going public as well. And that's the thing that bums me out. There have always been lazy writers. We will always exist. <laughs> <laughs> but all of you listening who watched it, there's going to be plenty of people, plenty of people uh, who didn't watch it who are like, I don't want to listen about Spider-Man. And I could say, well, too bad. Spider-Man's great as a concept, as a character, and superheroes are great, and the Book of Judges is great, and you should be okay with that. But the thing that is horrible is how lazy, lazy, lazy Christian consumers are, and how many intelligent, like intelligent, educated Christian viewers, uh, you know, we're all about Spider-Man and defensive of it. And we'll say quickly, oh yeah, it was full of plot holes. It was full of plot holes. It's fine. Like, but that's fine. Like, okay. really? $400 million, you know, maybe 350. I don't know what the actual marketing budget was, but 200 million production, definitely nine figures of marketing. And you're going to say that they, they can just not bother like not bother making it coherent and you'll just, you're going to tolerate that. I will allow it. I'll allow it for your third of a billion dollars or your, you know, $400 million project. I think it's okay. I think it's all right that you decided to just not finish your work 
before you got into all the incredibly difficult hard work of the visual effects and the character design. So you think about all the engineers and all the artists who put in an incredible amount of work into the actual execution of the production, and they're just working off of really bad blueprints. So, Hmm. you know, it's like, it's not the people who are doing the CG and the people who are doing everything else have nothing, they have nothing to say to the actual what the character the does screenplay when yeah the words on the page the courier font words on the page should be the cheapest part to revise to correct to grind on and to make perfect before you bother spending 300 million dollars making something it just blows my mind that they don't do it but the reason why they don't do it is because the consumers don't make them do it they don't need to do it because everybody just forgives them for it because intelligent Christians say, yeah, it was full of plot holes, but you know, whatever. Like, well, as long as you say that, they're never going to be making great, you know, great films. So what do you think the place is? So ideally in a, in a world where we're thinking with our brains turned on or right. watching a show with our brains turned on, at what point do you grant a MacGuffin? Sure. Or versus, or or I guess suspend disbelief versus this sort of passive consuming of the suspension of disbelief is different than internal incoherence. Gotcha. So if you say, "Hey, inside this world, here are the rules of magic." Right. This ring turns people invisible. Right. This cloak is an invisibility cloak. Fine. And then, but sometimes it's not. Mm. Like, why not? Oh, no reason. <laughs> like it's because I needed it for the plot. Yeah, I needed it to not work this time. Like, um, <laughs> like that's just infuriating. And gotcha. so, and like, that's what the problem yeah, is. Yeah, suspension of disbelief is is a completely different issue. So, I have a, I would love for Christian consumers to really elevate their game. And I know that as we look at the box office and we look at the competitiveness of well, just how much content's being made and what will succeed and what will not succeed. We look at Steven Spielberg spending $100 million on West Side Story and having that film fail. Yeah. Classic film, greatest American director ever, big budget, doesn't succeed. Spider-Man crushes, incoherent through and through. I have not heard anybody defend it as coherent. I've not, any of the people who told me they loved it have not told me that they thought it was coherent. They thought they just didn't care because they enjoyed the experience. Mm-hmm. And there, was, there were plenty of times I enjoyed the experience. I think I enjoyed the experience of going, going to and a watching movie Spider-Man with your family. more than my kids did. Okay. Uh, which was funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my son, one of my son's most insightful comments, I thought, my oldest son, there's one of the cures they have is for Sandman. Sandman is this guy who'd fallen into a superconductor. So he's basically inhabiting dust. You know, he's like a haunting of dust and dirt. And they've made themselves a little, the three Spider-Men from the different corners of the multiverse have made themselves this little thing to reverse that, the effects. And they throw it into Sandman and push a button. Like, oh, look, they turned him back into a people. <laughs> okay. And, and-, uh, and now it's human flesh. Like, yay, they cured him. And it's one of the cures. My son said, is there any scientist on Earth that could reverse the effects of a baking soda volcano? Much less. Yeah, much less. <laughs> a the superconductor. Most com- the most complicated thing. The most, like, that is <laughs> just like thing. the suspension of disbelief of like a person is, their soul is still inhabiting the, you know, the part of this, these particles that have been blo- obliterated, 
the souls inhabiting these pieces of dust, you know, basically they're, they are a, some kind of poltergeist um, at this point, but we're going to reincarnate them, literally okay. reincarnate them with a the little button that we made in the shop at Spider-Man's garage. Gotcha. And so, so you're saying, yeah, we grant, we suspend disbelief. How this far is, can we go? Yeah. How far can we go with this? My teenage son couldn't go that far. He was like, just a baking soda volcano. Make me a little gadget you can push a button and throw in that to just reverse it, to reverse a baking soda volcano. And I'll, I maybe, maybe I'll even think about this for a second. Unbaking a cake doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, unbake the cake real quick. So anyway, the, the, the thing that disappoints me is not that a giant film was successful that was lazy, although it bothered me that it was Spider-Man because I really do like Spider-Man. Yeah. The thing that bothered me is how many thinking Christians I've heard celebrating it. Gotcha. Uh, that's, that's bothered me more. Well, and I really just... do. I am defensive of the superhero genre as much as I'm not a big Marvel fan or Marvel Universe fan. Well, who are we talking to who is talking about the difference between... No, they're just reusing plot points. So, spoiler, Aunt May dying in this one right. versus back... I, maybe, is it is it just nostalgia? Because back when... I don't know. We were young and Uncle Ben got shot by the guy yeah. he let go. That yep. moment that moment hurt quite a bit. Yeah, it was good. And then maybe trying to drag it out again. I don't know how Aunt May found her demise in this third installment. But you know Well, it actually is, is another one of those moments of incoherence. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, so Aunt May didn't even need to die. <laughs> no. She yeah, it's if we're going to unpack that one, it's great. So the, the clarity in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where he's angry at a guy for stiffing him, right? He won't pay him for wrestling. And, and this dude shows up and robs the guy who just stiffed him. And so he lets the thief go. And so I missed the part where that's my problem. Ha ha ha. Right. And, and we're all, and we all, and the beautiful thing about those writers is they make every single one. The reason why it stung is every viewer is right with him. Yeah, we're like, well, yeah. Like, yeah, take that. You just robbed me, and then I got in a zinger. Yep. Yeah. The landed. same line you said to me, yep. I said to I, you. Yep, and I made it sting. While you're being And so robbed. We, we, if you want your character to learn a lesson in a story, you need the, the sympathetic audience to actually like kind of stumble, like stumble with the character. You need them to be sympathetic to the fault. They, they need to feel the temptation and feel the the satisfaction of giving into that temptation. And so then when Spider-Man leaves and the thief he's let go, carjacked his uncle and shot his uncle. You know, it's like that, like that fruit of that decision lands, not just for the character, but for every single person in the theater, every butt and every seat. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. Everybody hurts uh, because they all participated vicariously in that fault. Well, in this case, Jumping forward, Tom Holland, Spider-Man 3, what we have is Aunt May saying, you must not send them, not even don't kill them, not don't kill these supervillains who are currently killing people in your hometown. Don't send them back to their own worlds where they're going to live out their own narratives, fighting their own Spider-Man. Like, you Wait, must- why not? Because you must save them. Oh. You must keep them all here and try to save them, Spidey. Mm. Uh, she says, you must- you must basically, in your own moronic hubris, it's a classic hero's hubris moment of like taking on too much. Like, I will shoulder too much of the burden. 
I must take all the villains from all the worlds and keep them in my friend's apartment and try to cure them. (laughs) It's kind of creepy. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's a classic trope in terms of a hero taking on more than he should. Uh, It's even classic in that a woman tempted him to do it. Uh, It's just odd that it's the the mentor woman who's supposed to be wisdom saying like no don't send them back to their worlds where there are other spider-man dealing with them currently in their narratives where they're going to die because we know that other spider-man are going to defeat them so there is death over there don't send them over there where they're going to meet the fruits of their own choices and in their own fights with their own spider-man keep them here in happy's apartment john favreau's apartment and we'll and we'll cure them together well that goes badly Mm-hmm. And she's killed. He makes the choice. He takes all of this burden on himself. Yeah. It backfires. She dies. And as he's furious and grieving about this, she says, basically, we did the right thing. It was still the right choice. Oh, so, but narratively, that's obviously not. Obviously uh, not. Because she died. And she's, <laughs> yes. And she's still insisting, and the movie makers are still insisting. That he still made the right choice. So she died. Flash forward and he's going to kill the Green Goblin and he's mad because May died and he's going to kill the Green Goblin and Tobey Maguire jumps in and stops him. And it's like, no, he's Tobey Maguire is fighting for May's position, May's point of view and Mm -hmm. and the filmmaker's point of view in coherence. And the Green Goblin stabs him in the back. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, once again, obviously the wrong position, the wrong choice. And yet the film is insisting on embracing this perspective still. And so do a bunch of Christians. See, see, this is what it, this is what we should be doing. It's like honestly, no, no. There's some uh, man. There's this, there's this guy somewhere. Don't remember what uh, his handle is, but he brought me a little bit of joy. He interviews children randomly, <laughs> and it's kind of like that old show. The kids say the darndest things, but he he interviewed this portly young gentleman, very young, a youth, uh, a youth indeed. About Komodo dragons. <laughs> and, uh, and the question was something. He, the kid was talking about how special Komodo dragons were, but that they eat people. This special animal eats people. And uh, the guy was very confused by why he loves them so much then. It says, do you want to see an animal eat a person? And he, the kid just says, actually, definitely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this little kid. And there were so many parts of... Spider-Man that felt exactly that way, where it's like the wrong answer, yeah. and and the movie looks at you and says, "Actually, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yes," and we can just make it so. We're gonna make this the right answer with just gumption and determination and more money, mm. uh, and we're gonna insist this was the right answer by sheer force. But the the dumbest thing of all was knowing a spell is coming to erase the memory of your beloved and running and hiding you make sure you before are before <laughs> the spell hits running and hiding and then disappearing for weeks <laughs> yeah and it, do- it makes no sense at all the other thing is about that is it's a spell about forgetting peter parker not about forgetting spider-man so the girlfriend would still be fully familiar with spider-man and know that she's dating spider-man she just, <laughs> but Spider Man needs to take off the because the mask the, yeah, again. the two yeah. identities are still split, and then also there is nothing about the spell that says it's going to erase all of everybody's photo albums, everybody's like social media history, 
Okay, so magic becomes an enormous MacGuffin for the end of the movie. Yeah, it's just it does, and with it's just a huge, huge. I mean, cop out is even yeah. an understatement. So yeah. it's uh, and I want to I want to beat up on this hard enough, but the reason why it upsets me is because I do love Spider Man. When I would go to the Carol Ryrie Brink wing of our local county library on Saturdays, I would go look at what existed, you know. What new books existed in fantasy somewhere near Lloyd Alexander and Tolkien? And turns out, nope, no other great novelists had appeared. And since my last weekend trip, and then I would wander over to the comics and check out Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. And Hulk. These are your creds for criticizing. And Spider Man. -Man. I would hang out with Spider Man. Spider Man's fantastic. And one of the reasons why he's fantastic is because his powers are so limited, they're so extremely specific. Yeah and limited he is not superman and he's also not in such a weird broken way batman you know where it's just i have billions of dollars unlimited resources yeah Yeah. he's got web and climbing ability yeah it's like i'm super healing he's athletic whatever but it's but yeah he's just really really pretty simple and so he's not invulnerable and uh that lack of invulnerability or that actual true vulnerability is Interesting. But the thing that's always bothered me about superhero stories in general and the way that they vary from the biblical typology is the way they want them always to have, you know, thwarted love interest. They kind of, Mm. Spider-Man's always done this. They always kind of want the relationship to be strained. They get together. They fail to get together. You know, it's like, it's. Projection? (laughs) Yeah, it's, yes. Is it just the desire to not have it cut and dried? What's going on there? Well, originally, I think it was a little bit of the world's first incels. Yeah. You know, the, as, as the genre was being... Cavalier and Clay. Yeah, as the genre was being invented, and you had kids who were explicitly imitating the messianic promises and, and imitating the Book of Judges as they were crafting the first comic books, and then speculating, you know, like going far afield from that, but it's all this messianic judge typology. They were not extroverts out there dating lots of girls Mm. you know that's not who they were Mm. so that's part of it but then uh another part of it is the fact now is marketing the fact that one of the biggest things you can do is constantly if you want to preserve a franchise or a tv show just basic ingredients get a guy and a girl together and then separate them and then get them together and separate them and just over and over and just like play with it and never and, quite yeah. let them come together and thwart them perpetually and see how long you can do that. And, and, and as soon as you can't do it any longer then your show's over or your franchise is over and it's time for a reboot. But that's so true. And that's just the way it is. Just so the everything. fact that they had to do something because MJ and Spider-Man were working together and a couple in movie two, then that was fun and it worked. The fact that in movie three, they had to pull that apart was a given they had to the question okay by their own rules of marketing for movie four they were going to have to do that the question was how are they going to make movie four well 1.6 <laughs> billion dollars yeah says yes <laughs> 1.6 billion says yes and will they invest any more in the story no they will not they will design the they will design the plot off of the ideal theme park ride yeah just like this last one it's just the the what if thing you have to have someone who says while you're writing 
what if we did this? And you say, no. <laughs> and it sounds like this one is just- What if we didn't? Yeah. So somebody else. Yeah. But see, if you think about this one, Doc Ock and everybody else, all the other villains, it's great. That's a great theme park ride. Man, like villain after villain after villain, like, oh yeah, there's like, boom, we're going to go through all the stuff if we're just going through this no way home thing. And yeah, we ride and ride and ride. The theme park's fantastic. So mm. it's uh, that's the design. The design is theme park ride. And so you can expect the next one to be designed after a theme park ride and not after a good story also. And you can expect millions of Christians to project all sorts of truth goodness and beauty onto it after the fact that's not necessarily there so is this just because is it just a callback movie then sort of similar to the star wars reboots where we say oh oh that's that person oh luke skywalker showed up at the end so it's really cool yeah there's some of that but i think i think star wars even tried harder to make sense yeah so yeah. maybe you should watch it brian uh, well in fact yes I'll go I'll go actually <laughs> definitely yes i would indeed watch a lizard eat a man <laughs> actually definitely yes <laughs> this special animal eats yeah. people well i have a confession i haven't even watched the first two of tom holland mm. so i got mm. some work to do but yeah Chris, okay. christy will do it with me she's yeah we'll she's get through actually you need you need to get through all three and we will have to talk more about superheroes because they are important mm -hmm. and they're a, it's kind of a unique it's a unique genre and it's kind of, it's weird because it's like an upside down fairy tale in some ways, hmm. but they, they, they fit in the fairy tale framework. Yeah. But, uh, so you think about like a Harry Potter story is a superhero story. Yeah. But it's also not, you know, it's doing something else at the same time. Yeah. We need to talk about that. I, I've been so burned out on Marvel, but so impressed right? at how they have created Marvel people. Who are now Marvel, like the pandemic, has lasted much longer than I expected. Yep. <laughs> I thought my burnout level came much earlier than the rest of the world's. Well, I keep looking back at little Brian enjoying Iron Man so much and just saying, if only he knew where this all was going, it would have ruined his joy <laughs> at the first <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seeing him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, but yeah, Marvel's universe, this their little global domination thing. That's I'm impressive. sick of it. That's truly it's, impressive. I'm sick of it, but I gotta I gotta tip my cap. I gotta tip my cap. And with that. With that depressing note. Then another pleasant afternoon. Yep. Or morning or whatever. Back to you the listen. latte that you all purchased us. Thank you very much yep. for donating to the Stores Your Soul Food Coffee Fund. Next time I'll be wearing headphones and my performance will be much better. The end. See you next week. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode and would like to find some soul food for your kids, check out the Cannonball Kids tab on Canon Plus. Go to mycanonplus.com and sign up today.